Hey there, geniuses. This week's episode is brought to you by We Participated. How much of a genius are you when it comes to finding your participants? Yeah, us neither. Because let's face it, finding participants to take part in your research can be really tricky. But don't worry, because we've got the perfect tool to fix your recruitment problems. We Participated is the UK's ultimate research recruitment app. It allows you to easily find willing participants to engage in your research. With We Participated, you can easily create and advertise your study to a pool of eager participants. And here's the genius part. You can recruit five participants for free every month. But wait, there's more. We Participated offers incredible add-ons to supercharge your study's performance, from boosting visibility to recruiting as many participants as your study needs. Don't worry, participants, this is where you come in. If you're interested in engaging in exciting new research, then you can have full access for free. What? For free. (laughs) So whether you're a researcher or a participant, We Participated is the app that is revolutionizing the way we engage with research. Don't be stupid. Download We Participated now on the App Store or Google Play. Because when it comes to research, we should all have the opportunity to be geniuses. Stupid genius. Stupid, Stupid genius. genius. Stupid genius. Um, what's been going on? You were in Dublin. I was in Dublin this weekend. Got a Dublin accent and tell me how it was. Do you know what? I was actually doing an Irish accent all weekend and I was worried I was going to get knocked out by an Irish person. Hello, I'm in Dublin and I like to go to Ireland and I like I like the everything about Ireland. I like the sea, I like the grass, I like the Guinness. I don't. Actually, they didn't have any alcohol free. That's quite good. That's really That good. is quite good. That's I'm really sorry, good. Irish listeners, if you're fucking kill, like, like dying right now. Your... Yeah. But no, I did have a nice time and that actually leads me straight on to my stupid actually yeah okay i'm diving straight in then go on then so um at the weekend i went on a hen do hence why i was in dublin dublin that wasn't meant to be irish by the way Dublin. that was just a funny voice i don't know what you know i've been watching this country and i I keep trying to do (gasps) oh my god it made me think of you i think Uh, do you reckon sorry what (laughs) it's in like is this what Molly's like childhood was like? Do you know what? In parts, yes. Yes, that's what I thought. In parts, it actually was. Yeah. If anyone hasn't watched this country, please watch it. It's so fucking funny. Daisy May Cooper is an absolute genius. I love Kurt Curtin. I love Curtin yeah. as well, but she writes a lot of yeah, it. I mean, incredible. they write it together, don't yeah. they, to be fair. And they're brother and sister in real life, aren't they? Yeah. And the dad... Are they? In... Wait, I yeah. didn't know that. And the dad in it is their dad no, in real wait, life. Martin. Yeah. It's a family affair. That's so um, cool. It is so funny, it's isn't it? Good, but that's yeah. funny because I started rewatching it last week. I've, it's the first time I've watched it. Oh! I'm obsessed. I'm going to rewatch it again. Oh, it's so, so Me and Dean are trying to do the accent so much. We keep quoting it. Curtain. They all talk like that. Yeah. It's a little bit like Lloyd, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like West Country. Well, because it's like film. It's Gloucester. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. Cotswolds is trying to, they're trying to film in. But yeah, it's yeah. like a made up town, isn't it? No, no. Yeah, they film in a... Yeah, but the, the place they're in is a made-up. Is it? Yeah, I think so. No, I think it's a place in, in Gloucester, isn't it? Maybe. Do you know what? We have really taken off. <laughs> anyway, go, how, did we, how did we get onto that? Sorry, you did the ac- accent? Oh, because you were trying to do their accent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Just went rogue with the accents. Anyway. Listeners, if you hadn't already realised, yes, it is going to be that sort of episode <laughs> where we just go all over the fucking place. Just welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Welcome to, to Super Genius. To the chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what oh, the God. Hell? Um, so, anyway, I was in Dublin. <laughs> 
I had a very nice time, but um, the I only took like a small, like a, like my work rucksack with me. Like I didn't pay oh. for baggage. What? Sorry, but your rucksack is tiny. What, my orange one? Yeah, my broker. Ti- yeah, that's tiny. Well, it's not tiny. I mean, it fits like a sock in there and that, but that's about it. Fuck off. <laughs> sock and a Well, I actually got a whole weekend's worth of clothes that's in mad. there, including the whole entire thing, everything that I needed for a handy. But what I couldn't take is spare shoes. And for the Saturday night that we were there, we were going out for a night out and it was a sparkle soiree theme. So I was like, oh, I know what I'll wear. Obviously my sparkly platform Converse that I got married in. Why would I not take those? So I just wore them like for the trip. But then on the Saturday, me and my mate, one of the hens, we went a night early and like did a nice cliff walk and stuff on the Saturday morning. Anyway, two stupids arose. One, I did 29,000 steps, which is about 29 kilometers. See, I would say that's a genius. In sparkly platform converse. Yeah, I'd say that's a stupid. <laughs> my calves today oh my are so... You're like Spice Girls something right. Literally, I was like up this cliff in like gym gear and then these sparkly trainers. But the other genius... Uh, sorry, the other stupid occurred on the top of that cliff because as we left the Airbnb, I was like, I'm going to be really clever and smart and organise and fill up this bottle of Evian water, this empty bottle of water. Ah. Yeah, because I couldn't take my water bottle with me. So I filled that up, put it in my bag, a big litre bottle we set off on our cliff walk a few like you know however far in I said to my mate oh you just get me my that toilet roll out my bag because my nose is streaming she goes in the bag and she was like mo didn't you fill this up when we left and I was like what do you mean she's like the water bottle didn't you fill it up I was like yeah it was empty there was not a drop of water in the bottle oh my god it had soaked through my entire bag oh my god all of my clothes my book which literally I'd finished the night before was an actual just like, like a mush, fucking like paper mache like an actual yeah mush um yeah stupid is... is as stupid does me stupid <laughs> me sh- yeah I can't sometimes we try it <laughs> but then like that's not my fault <laughs> but then she was Did like you screw it on properly well it was the nipple what do you mean the nipple? The nipple, the nipple of the bottle had opened. The flap. Oh, is it one of those? Oh, once. it was a one. Yeah. And my mate was like, "This is why you should never open the nipple." And I was like, "But I like drinking out of the nipple." Yeah, so you shut the nipple. I know, but you didn't shut the nipple. I shut the nipple, but it had flicks open. <laughs> yeah, but you don't just shove it in your bag. You shove it in the side of your bag. Right, I think we've ascertained though that I'm sorry, Roka bags. We love you. We would love a sponsorship. Okay, yeah. come sponsor us with your bags. But we, However, we, do have, we do have pointers. We do have. We both have them. And those bottle pockets on the side, they do nothing. They fucking you can't fit any bottle you can in there. Fit, fit my big toe in there, and that's about it. <laughs> I've seen your big toes. I don't know about that. That's not small. <laughs> but what's your stupid? Um, it literally is. I'm a I'm a sleepy gal. And look, before you come and say it, it's because I'm not going to bed. I'm not saying anything. Okay. Look, you don't need me to say it. You know. (laughs) My sleep schedule is awful. I keep sleeping in. I don't know whether I thought it was the time, the um, the times energy saving. What's it called? Daylight saving. Daylight saving. That's it. I thought it was the daylight saving. <laughs> It'd be good if it was energy saving. <laughs> energy saving. I would have It'd be great. I thought it was the daylight saving and that's why I was sleeping in until like 10, Molly. I'm getting up at 10, half 10. Fucking hell. Which is like ridiculous. Forgot what it's like to be a PhD student. I know, right? <laughs> Those were the days. No, but even I wake up in panic like, oh my God, I've got so much to do. And I'm like, this has been the whole week. Actually, two weeks of me. I shouldn't really admit this because I think some of my um, supervisors. <laughs> yeah. But is Vin not getting up for work? He he works remote, so he doesn't have to get up. No, but he surely starts work by ten. Starts work at half nine, and he's starting work at like eleven. Don't wait, 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 wait. 
I mean, he he gets up. He get. Oh God. Well, I just keep sleeping until ten. That's basically my problem. And I okay, thought, but I thought maybe the daylight saving time, whatever it's called, was the issue. But actually, I should have got up earlier because it, it the clocks went back, didn't they? No, so it does make it harder to get up. Does it? I and don't. Also, it's dark. I literally got up today. I thought it's well, dark. It, it's I refuse actually, to get up when it's dark. It is slightly lighter in the mornings, though. When daylight saving happens, it gets lighter in the mornings and darker in the night. But why at seven o'clock or half seven? It's still. Dark. I know you don't want me to ask you this. No, I refuse Emily, to answer. What time do you go to bed? <sighs> answer the question. Look, like probably like 12 one. Right. So there you go then. If you're going to bed at, hey, don't talk yet. If you're going to bed at 1am, you're probably getting to sleep till uh, like half one. You're probably getting into a deep sleep by like two. So by nine, 10 o'clock. Yeah, you've only had like eight hours, mate. I know. I, Come back and moan when you've gone to bed at a reasonable time, okay? <laughs> yeah, I keep, well, I what I've said strict bedtime now is at 10. Okay. And I just lie there awake and then it's worse for me because then, I, then I'm just like, oh, I should have Yeah, because that. you're getting up late. Like, so one day you need to force yourself to get up yeah. really early so that you're tired enough to go to bed well, this early. this is why this week's good because I, I physically have to be in. Yes. All week. So I have to get up. So today I actually did get up at seven. So tonight you will be tired. Mm, we'll you see. will. We'll see. <laughs> She's like, I'm cha- I'll challenge her. Purposely just... holding her eyes open just so she can say that she wasn't. Uh, I, I'm just a night owl and I naturally want to go to bed later. And um, and yeah, I need, and I need to put my phone down. That's a real issue. Yeah, the doom scrolling. The doom scrolling. But let's get some genius. Yeah, let's have a genius. So my genius is um, actually not work-related again. I mean, I could throw in a work-related one. I finished the... Um, first draft of this book chapter I'm writing, co-authoring with somebody. Um, they just need to accept the track changes and stuff, but it's basically finished. That's quite exciting. That's really um, exciting. But my real genius is that I went to my first aerial class yesterday. Yeah. Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> it was an aerial silks class and I loved it. It was yeah. part of the Hindu. It was you so fun. The, the grin on you upside down. I was loving it. In straddle position. Honestly, like that sort of thing is just so fun. And I think because of doing pole, I haven't done pole for a while, but doing pole, I was a bit more confident than had I never done anything like yeah. that, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know you can lift your own body weight. You sort, know, of. sort of. With, yeah. with enough is, of a run up. Yeah. <laughs> and silks is hard. It's like yeah. slippy. But you know what? I thought in a way I sort of not that I preferred it to pole, but it's less painful. Yeah, like, way less painful. It hurt my foot a little bit, you know, when you're working on the knot a lot. Yeah. But um, I really loved it. So yeah. I, I know there's one in Liverpool. I'm going to maybe check it out and see. I'd come with. I, I know, but you'd show me up. No, no but I would love that. I would use that as inspiration. You know what? I think you'd enjoy hoop more. Well, I actually thought we were doing hoop because I, I suggested the activity to the sister who yeah. was planning the hen. But I meant hoop. I wanted to do hoop. Yeah. But she, I didn't. Could like specify that and she booked silks but I think everyone loved silks like it was a dead silks, fun thing yeah. to do was, like, silks are quick. really fun and it's, yeah. you feel very floaty and you can spin and we could Which help was, each other and exactly. laugh and like it was fun whereas hoop I feel like you can take rests you can sit down yeah and just chill yeah, in it and, and again we did do the thing where we were in a proper <gasps> little cocoon yeah that was really good I did it once for like two weeks and I was like I love it and then I never went back it's you know, one of those expensive, expensive though isn't yeah. it what's your genius well my genius is my genius my genius is um, I learned how to make crispy seaweed oh yeah I'm really into cooking me and Vin are really into cooking at the moment we always are actually but yeah. we're really we're really taking it as a hobby <laughs> we like to eat well this okay? is your first proper living together as well so you've been able to explore these yeah things without, a bit more. Student, without student accommodation because we used yeah. to live that's together. what I mean like proper living proper together. living together yeah as, as students with uh, eight, sharing a house of eight people we didn't really get to 
buy nice food, I guess. Yeah, funnily enough, you weren't cooking crispy seaweed. <laughs> Shock. No, but actually, it's just cabbage. You know the... Yeah. Yeah. So I found out that crispy seaweed from your Chinese restaurants is just cabbage. Okay, so it's... so. But crispy seaweed is not cabbage. Crispy seaweed is seaweed, no, right? it's cabbage. You You buy it from the Chinese restaurants, it's cabbage. Or the way they sell it is cabbage. What do you mean? But like surely in like Japan, they sell it as seaweed. Like when well, I was I in know. Asia. I don't know about look, When I was in like. I don't know about <laughs> When I was in like Thailand and shit, I swear the crispy seaweed is like seaweed. They sell it in bags like crisps. Yeah. And it's seaweed. Like it's dark green. Yeah. That's what cabbage looks like. Fried. What? Yeah. So basically my downstairs neighbor works on a cabbage farm. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is getting more and more ridiculous. And he was like, "Look, I've got some spare cabbage." And I was like, "Why has it got the why has it got the Chinese like packaging on it?" He was like, "Oh, it's just crispy seaweed. We sell it to the all the Chinese restaurants." That is mental. And so I was like, "Okay, looked it up. It's a thing. You roll it. You slice out the middle, the bit like the stalk. Right. You roll it. You slice it so it's in like thin yes, strips. I can imagine that." Fry it. I didn't use too much oil because I didn't want to. Christ, it pops, so be Ooh, careful. Ooh, a bit like salt on there. Yeah, and then MSG. Love oh, MSG. no, I can't eat it. Why can't you eat it? Gives it? me diarrhea. Well, then you can just <laughs> put salt. <laughs> Christ. Doesn't it, everyone? MSG, we should not be advertising MSG, right? MSG's fine. It's just herbs and spices. People were like, oh, MSG, MSG, it's fine. MSG makes, I've actually vomited after eating MSG. Well, then it's not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are, It's 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 gluten, isn't it? MSG is MS gluten, something gluten. What's MSG? MSG stands for monosodium glucomate. It's made up of water, sodium, and glucomate. It's an amino acid that uses uh, that's used to make proteins in foods and our bodies. MSG doesn't have a specific flavor on its own. Yes, it's not herbs and spices, mate. It's gluten. Is it harmful to the health? <laughs> Look. <laughs> <laughs> Flavor enhancing um, additives that's also naturally presented in many protein rich foods. Like Stop cheeses, reading the bits that sound all right. Cheese and vegetables. Although it was considered a toxic ingredient in the 1960s, current, current evidence has dispelled that myth, indicating that MSG is safe when consumed in moderate amounts. Uh, well, confirmation, but. <laughs> I'm just, getting, I'm just getting so protective of my MSG. Confirmation bias. I reckon if I Google, I'll find a different a different answer gone, to that gone. question. Yeah, 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 maybe, maybe. So okay, um, so anyway, you fry yeah. out your cabbage. So you fry it. Chuck a load of toxic okay. MSG no, no, on no. there. It's not toxic. <laughs> Stop spreading myths. Because I looked it up. Because I was like, why was it so? It was even on New Girls and like, don't put MSG on stuff. And I was like, hang on a minute. I use MSG on everything. Um. Anyway, if you don't want MSG, you can just put soul or some like. I don't know, Cajun or whatever whatever spice you want. Soy sauce, sugar. Mm, ooh. The sugar makes it really good. Yeah. And that's it. And you can make it spicy if you want by putting chilies in it. Or... That sounds so good. I actually might try that because Lloyd loves that sort of thing. Sprinkled on top of a, a stir fry or anything like that. Oh, it yes. was so good. I was like, honestly eating bowls of it. Because <laughs> I love like, you know, crispy onions on top of a stir fry, yeah. but that sounds even better it's, to be fair. It was honestly so good. Mm. And I was just like, I was like, whoa, I've just made crispy seaweed. <laughs> What the hell? You're just going to be bringing it in every single day for lunch. Yeah, like, I'll oh. make it actually next next time we record. Do it. No oh, MSG yeah. for me. No MSG. No, I don't want you <laughs> shitting on the episode. Oh. We're professionals. What do you mean? You're the one that keeps coming out with these things. Just for the record, this is my voice, Molly. Emily's the one with all the profanities today. Well, you said it gives you diarrhea. 
So let's get on to the rumble. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Em, so what are we rambling about today? We are talking about, you know, dealing with conflict or conflict with your supervisors. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply this to obviously colleagues or anything, but we know your supervisors have ma- a massive role in your PhD experience. And we heard from them. We heard what they really think about you, what they'd like from you. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes there is conflict and there's different levels of conflict. And I thought we could talk about it and we could, you know, share some advice maybe or just yeah, uh, just, just a- our experiences, I guess. Yeah, because exactly like you've said, like your supervisory team, as we've mentioned many times in the podcast, can either make or break your PhD yeah. in a way, you know, like obviously it's not the be all and end all and that you can take things into your own hands and all that but really it's so detrimental to how your PhD um, progresses and the successes that you have like if you have strong relationship with your supervisors it does make the world of difference doesn't it but inevitably when any group of people work together like you've already said you know it doesn't have to be a PhD supervisor does it it could just be your colleagues your friends your family whatever when a group of people come together who have got different ideas, different priorities, different ways of working, Mm -hmm. different ways of communicating, then like it's inevitable that there is going to be conflict. It might just be really low levels of conflict, which you find really easy to get through or it might be worse. So yeah, we just wanted to talk about that and... And say that it's, it's, it's kind of normal, I guess. Yeah. And to, you know, don't feel alone in that. I think if you're struggling with a supervisor, then, you know, just remember lots of people do. Not that that's yeah. a good thing, but as in like, you know, you're in it with other people. It's, yeah, and- it's hard to manage people yeah. without, you know, unless you're a master ma- manipulator. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's hard to manage people. And especially as a complete newbie in this whole world. And they're like veterans. Oh, that's Oh, sorry, supervisors. You're not that old. <laughs> Veterans, <laughs> fucking hell. They're just so old. Yeah, doesn't so that mean that they're like also just not doing it anymore? Don't yeah. be past it. Yeah. But no, I know exactly what you mean. Well, it's like really good practice, isn't it, for when we go out into the quote unquote real world of work because you're never going to be able to just work with your mates. You're never just going to be in a teaching team or a research team or whatever team that is with people that you get on with. So if you're having difficulties in your supervisory team, then there's ways that you can see that as a learning opportunity, I think, you know, and it's something that you can take forward because like, yeah, it's, you're never going to be in a perfect team. And I say this to my students because, you know, they have to do group work for some of their assessments. And yeah. there's always going to be someone that does no work. There's always going to yeah. be someone that leads the way. There's, there's always going to be floaters that doesn't know what's Exactly. Going on. And like the students hate group work, but we say to them like, look, when you go and get jobs in the real world, you will have to work yeah. in a team, you know? So I think there's all those things as well, isn't it? Yeah. There? And it's important to be wary that you want your supervisors to mold to you. But you also need to do a bit of moulding and adaptability. Like, you need to do a bit of shifting. You can't be like, well, this is the way I work and they need to supervise me because at the end of the day, it's just not going to be... You're not going to have an easy ride. If if one supervisor likes... I can't think of any any example. I guess you're going to have different supervisors and you need to kind of adapt yourself to different supervisors in the way they communicate. And that's that's just something you're going to have to sort of learn to do and not be fixed in your own sort of yes definitely it's about meeting them halfway isn't it and like because the thing is to remember as well is like 
yes, your supervisors do get something out of your relationship in a way. They get to say, it's like another supervision on their list, isn't it? Of successful supervisions, which they need for promotions, right? So they get that. And they might get some journal papers out of you. But let's be honest, as students, we're the ones that benefit from that relationship the most. So I do think it is on us a bit to be more adaptable. Mm. They should do that as well. I get that. They definitely should. But this is for our benefit. And so I do think it is us that should really put the effort into making the relationship work. Also, we've got more time. I know, right, look, I know we're stretched as PhD students. I know, I'm not saying that I've got all the free time in the world, but we do have a bit more flexibility with our time. Oh, massively. Massively. Like coming from seeing now you work as a lecturer and you're not even supervising anyone. And also then when we did that episode on, go back a few episodes ago um, on what your supervisor really thinks, they get such little time yeah. to, to you. So, yeah, putting in that extra effort, being a bit adaptable is is important. Um, and it will help your journey. Like, it will help you. Just being stubborn and being, like, rigid is just not going to – you're not going to fly. I think that's why you've done so well, Molly. It's because you have understand how your team works. And you've just gone, cool, adapted to it, and then just ran with it. yeah. I agree, but I've also been really lucky Yeah, because me and my lead supervisor have very similar ways of working. We have quite similar approaches. We actually have quite, we're just quite similar academically. Like we write in a similar way. We work well in a similar way. So we were well matched, to be honest. Yeah. But yes, I have also adapted, of course, because the other two aren't exactly like that. But as a whole team, I think they've all really adapt well to each other as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do feel like my team has been like a perfect example of how when things go well, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm very lucky that I have not had to deal with any conflict yeah. actually throughout my, well, in my supervisory team. I've had things in my teaching teams since I've been a session and stuff like that. But as, as a PhD student, I, I have been very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are lots of reasons why conflicts might arise. Um, I mean, have you got any examples of why a conflict might have arisen or has arisen for you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I want to touch on, obviously, Molly's had this, like, A-star, gold-star experience. And you've it has helped you progress, I guess. I'm not taking away from your work. No, it (laughs) has. It really has. Um, But if you have got conflict in your supervisory team, it does put massive... Um, strain, I suppose. Strain on your journey. It does delay you. It it really it really can have a massive impact, and there's a whole scale of it. But mine's quite minor. But I thought I'd give you um, I give you like example of my conflict that I've had and how I resolved it. And I could have maybe resolved it better, I think, or done done it differently. Or so basically, we know we we've heard it on the podcast before. I missed a meeting with my main supervisor, not my main supervisor, one of my supervisors. And um, it was twice in quite short consecutive times. And what happened was I asked for a redo, like a, can we reschedule this meeting? And they came back with a, look, no, (laughs) because I feel like you my time will be better spent elsewhere and I will happily join the main supervisory meetings, but because you've kind of, I guess, yeah, waste, they didn't use these words, but like waste, I wasted their time. So they felt like they weren't, uh, they didn't want to give me any more of their time because I don't respect it. Didn't say it like that, but that was along the lines. Yeah, that was the message you took from it. Yeah, which, look, 
there's two ways of looking at it. And at first I was like, that's ridiculous. They're my supervisor. They should give me all the time they need. Right, right, right. You know, you go off and want... A bit like, I'm entitled to this time. I'm entitled to this time. What the hell? Um, they won't meet me. That's ridiculous. They still need to give me... Da, 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 da. And when I then didn't really know what to do, I then told my supervisors, my other supervisors, and we had a discussion about it. Um, they They were really good, actually. They said... They said, yes, on one hand, you know, they they should still be able to give you support if you need it because they are your supervisors. However, this doesn't just happen because, you know, this person, uh, my supervisor, is a very calm, collective, logical person. It wouldn't have happened if there wasn't other factors in the way. It wasn't just that experience it was the cat it was the camel that broke the camel's back was it the thing straw it's the straw that broke the camel's back yeah yeah Yeah. we'll go with it because when i reflect back on it we all have different super like um working styles one of my supervisors said that they uh, didn't want to meet me well they like to work way in advance they like to get receive things two weeks in advance give feedback very organized very on top of things my other supervisor or the department, how the department works, is very much to deadlines and very much panic mode. And it, it, it it's like on two ends of the spectrum. And so I was working to my department because that's what I was around and dealing with and not giving them enough time to look at my work and and almost like not acknowledging that their time, how, how are they going to, I send them a thing, say, can you review it for tomorrow? Yeah. It's not, it's not fair. It's not on. Mm. Um, but I was learning and I didn't know that. So I think after time of me doing that multiple times and then also missing two meetings, it's almost like... Yeah, it was an accumulation it's of things It's an accumulation of things. So what I did was talk to my supervisory team. Then I obviously apologised to my supervisor. And when I met them, I apologised again and said, okay, well... If you don't want to meet me, can you pass me on to someone that that might be able to support me in this because I need support? And then making sure that you're everything that you say to them that you're going to do, you do it. You what I thought was like, well, now I need to build that relationship back up. And guess what? I have like we've had a one to one meeting. It doesn't mean like it's forever. Um, and I've just kept to the to the things that they like to work at. So if there's something, I give them two weeks in uh, in advance notice. Send it. And then get the response back. And actually, they're as happy as a clam now. And, and we're, we're <laughs> happy all good. Happy as a clam. We're all good. Yeah. How would you have dealt with that situation? Well, I think, no, I think you dealt with it really well. I think the two main things that sort of stand out to me there, like hearing that story from you, I think firstly, like the fact that you took accountability from the outset, I think is really positive. And I think that's really hard to do. It's hard to do. We don't want to admit when we've been in the wrong, you know, even if you weren't, and I'm sure you're being kind now, but I'm sure you weren't fully in the wrong. I'm sure there was a mixture of like different people's mistakes at play, but like the fact that you held your hands up to your mistakes and apologize for them, I think is really um, commendable and also just really helpful. Like I also think that, and I've had to do this before, you know, apologize when you don't actually think you're in the wrong as well. Yeah. We've all had to do that before, you know, that whole just like... 
appeasing someone and I'm not saying that that's what happened here but sometimes you know you you don't feel like it's just and you don't feel like you should be apologizing to your supervisor you actually think do you know what they were in the fucking wrong and like that you know but actually sometimes taking accountability for the bits that you were involved Mm. with even if you don't think they were the biggest contributors to the conflict and saying sorry and you know I just think that goes a huge way in in sort of like resolving the conflict. Having that perspective. Yeah. Really having that perspective of, okay, wait, wait, wait. This is how I felt. Because at the time I felt this is ridiculous. They should just know that, you know, like it's not like me to miss meetings. I, you know, I just forgot like, you know, it's one mistake or it's, you know, it, you, you go off on a tangent. Yeah. And then you have that like, wait, perspective of like, Hang on, if I was them, that would piss me off. Yeah. That would piss me off. Which is where the whole thing um, of empathy comes in. And, you know, when you're resolving conflicts, whoever that conflict is with, whether it's with, you know, your PhD supervisor or your sister, whatever, having empathy is so, so important. And I'm sure we've talked about empathy on the podcast before, you know, but being able to actually put yourselves in that person's shoes and think, okay, well, yeah, how did that person feel when they were sat there for the second time waiting for me to join a meeting and I didn't join? They yeah. felt pissed off. I'd have felt pissed off. Yeah. You know, and taking that empathetic approach is really, really useful, isn't it? Because we're all human. We're all battling our own issues at work, at home or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, we all come into it or most of us come into it with good intentions, don't we? So exactly. being able to take that person's viewpoint. I think the other thing as well that I thought when you were talking about your story um, there was like, I don't know if this could sometimes increase conflicts in supervisory teams but you know when you have some supervisors who are part of one department because you were talking there Mm -hmm. about the department you know having that tension there and then if you have an external supervisor who might be part of a different institution or a different department you might be actually not just balancing two different personal approaches but different institutional cultures as well which I know having an external supervisor like one of my um, supervisors became external like halfway through my PhD because she went to a different uni um, and it was actually okay but I can imagine it brings really positive things but also that could maybe increase the potential of conflict definitely because as well like you're not what you're not working side by side you don't know what's going on within the department yeah maybe potentially I look like I could be I don't know not doing not doing that much work or not being that involved but actually, if they were in the department, maybe they would see, oh, I'm really involved and this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this, this and this and this. But they're kind of external to that. And I guess that, then that's my responsibility to feed in and yes. update them and, and update them with everything and how the institution works and how things work. And Yeah, because having a full picture of any situation is always so much easier, yeah. isn't it, to fully comprehend what the hell's going on for yeah. someone. If you only get a snapshot, then it's so hard to be empathetic. So I think having that full picture helps yeah. with the empathy, which in turn then helps with the conflict resolution doesn't definitely it, I definitely and um i read something about like conflict resolution and i thought it was important to say like it was just a, a, a important thing is use i statements to avoid avoid sounding like um a bit like accusatory yeah exactly and a focus on your own experience so go like oh you know i don't know maybe it's a completely different example. i felt like this went yes, a certain way yeah. not you You've, you did this and it made me feel yeah yeah, yeah. it's like um, when we're in the meeting and okay, this is a whole different experience. We're just giving an example. Um, in the meeting, I felt a little bit like I didn't know what, uh, you were asking of me and you know, I don't know. Yeah, rather like, than being like in that meeting, you confuse me. Yeah. You can be you, like, I was you confused. You asked me, um, 
impulsive and bad questions and you know and you don't know how to ask questions yeah because no one likes having like that sort of accusatory tone used do they like it's obviously going to make a conflict arise in terms of like um noticing the signs then do you think so like say if you're working in your supervisory team and how can we be looking out for signs that conflict might be um sort of on the horizon, I suppose. Are the telltale, telltale, telltale? Are the telltale signs, do you think, of when things are not going as smoothly as they could be? Oh, see, this is a hard one. It is hard. Because you don't want to micro-analyse everything. True. But I guess if people are being short with you, if they're, you know, being abrupt in meetings, when you see them, they're not, you know, if there's that sort of atmosphere and agitation there. Mm. I reckon for different... you've also got to know who they are because because one of my supervisors is a German and she can't... And wait, I've got a German and a Greek um, supervisor and and they're, you know, the English isn't their first language. Yeah, so it just comes across differently depending so, on the person. Yeah, exactly, right? So sometimes they can sound a bit direct and a bit abrupt and a bit... Literally, that is why. And, and I guess some people would say it's rude, but it really isn't. It really is just like no, it's just direct, direct, and they're trying to get their point across. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, actually knowing the person is so important because, in terms of noticing indicators or signs of conflict, well, that might look very different for different people. So, for one person, that might mean a withdrawal. You might suddenly stop hearing from them. You know, for another person, it might mean that you suddenly start getting two emails a day. For another person, it might mean that you start getting less emails, but really long emails. Like it could look different for everyone, couldn't it? You know, if I suddenly stopped hearing from mine altogether, I'd be like, oh, fuck. But then if I, but then if I suddenly started hearing from them loads, I'd be like, well, hang on, this isn't normal either. So it's like noticing what is normal and then when that deviates from that, I suppose. Exactly. What would you do when conflict arises and say it's, beyond what I've dealt with. Mine was very minor, really easy, apologised, move on. Um, what? How would you deal with it if it was really affecting your well-being, really affecting um, yeah, I mean, if your it gets, PhD journey, I guess? If it gets to that point, then obviously you need to seek help outside of the supervisory team. I think for probably like 80%, obviously that's a made-up number, of conflicts in supervisory teams, yeah. I'm sure can be resolved by you, by your team, within the team, in a contained, you know, situation. But in the small instances where, yeah, it really is very toxic, it's affecting your mental health and your whole journey as a doctoral student, then you need to seek help. So go to your doctoral academy. That's what it's called at our institution. I think at other institutions, they just call them the the graduate um, centre or like the, the doctoral programme, whatever it might be go to them, explain what is happening and they will offer you mediation. They will offer you help because you're not alone. I think as a PhD student, you can often feel quite alone. We're lucky that we made friends that were other PhD students. We obviously had each other, but a lot of PhD students don't have that. They do go through this process quite isolated. isolated, Yeah. Yeah. But there are always people that you can talk to that will be there to help you as well as like every doctoral program has a program leader as well mm-hmm. so that might be your first point of call before you go to the doctoral academy even you know speak to them it's whatever you feel comfortable with I exactly guess. yeah it's like if you feel comfortable and you think it's a problem that you can resolve within your supervisory team then go to your supervisory team first and have this open and honest conversation about how how you feel things are going and how you can and come with 
come with solutions. Don't come with just problems. Come with so this is how how are we gonna how are we gonna resolve this? How, yeah, that's a really the, good point. You know, like not okay. Well, this is how I feel. Sort it. Like yeah. you got to be like, and this is how I think we can maybe move on forward and stay calm if you can. Like really distance yourself from it a little bit. Don't go in fully charged. Don't yeah. rile yourself up because that's when you're gonna make silly mistakes. And in terms of look, we've all been there. We've all gotten an argument and we've all said something like. Imagine when you're a kid and you go, I hate you, I wish you were never <laughs> <Yeah>. a born. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, literally sat in your room going, why did I say that? I didn't mean <laughs> yeah. that, I love them. <laughs> yeah, don't go in when you're emotionally charged. Yeah, because, exactly. But also I think don't leave it too late because I think that's when it's really hard to take yeah. the emotion out of it because the longer you leave it, the worse obviously it's going to get, the worse you're going to feel about it. And that's when it's quite hard to approach it objectively. Whereas, you know, if you... Obviously, you're not going to go to your doctoral academy straight away, but I just mean don't leave it to the point where it's like completely, you can't come you back can't from it. resolve, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like there's a fine balance and you know what you're learning, you will get it wrong. Um, and there will be bits that you think, you know what, not, not worth it. And then it happens again and then it happens again. You're like, okay. Do you mean it's not worth it? You're not worth it. <laughs> You, you are, are worth it yeah. <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> because you're worth it. And also, like, obviously, I, you know, I hope for everyone listening that this will never have to happen for this person. But at the end of the day, like, you can change your supervisors. If the worst comes to the worst and you literally cannot solve the conflict, which I believe most most times out, you know, yeah. I think you can solve it. But in the very rare occasions you can't, you can change your supervisors. That is an option. You yeah. Know, you don't have to stick with who you have. It's better to keep your original team if you can, because they just know your project. Like, you know, people change supervisors all the time, not just because of conflict, you know, but because maybe that supervisor retires or maybe they move to a different union. They don't get given the same mm. workload allocation or whatever. You know, that is always an option as well. So don't, I think the thing would be. It's always to, temporary, I guess. Yeah, and, and you also always you, have options. Yeah, you always have options. And even if you think, oh, you don't then have to work with them again. You can, you can, if they're not that bad that you want to change, you can just go, well, I'll get through it. I'll tolerate this. I'll tolerate it. And then I just know I won't work for them and I'll learn when I'm a supervisor that this and this and this. And I think as well, like tapping into, if you can even cast your minds back this far, but like we did an episode on resilience a million years ago. I think it was literally (laughs) like episode four, wasn't it? Maybe, yeah. Honestly, it was was so long ago. Don't listen to it, guys. (laughs) No, I'm joking. (laughs) Do you know what? That was a good episode. Just the sound and stuff. It probably was all the best. that glass box. Yeah. But thinking about that and the stuff with resilience is like, you know, coming at this, coming at any conflict situation with an open growth mindset and yeah. of thinking, okay, what can I learn from this? You know, taking that positive mindset, don't go into it with a negative mindset thinking, you know, why does this always happen to me? Um, why is this happening? You know, think, no, okay, this is happening. We can find a re- resolution, but ultimately I will learn from this. It's a horrible experience right now, but I'm going to take something away from this. Yeah. And having that, being really open to development and seeing it as an opportunity to learn something, if not about yourself, then about your environment, you know, the institution you're in, the research what kind process. Of team you like to work yeah. in, anything. Yeah, I think not going back to me because it's all about me. Come on, let's go back to you. <laughs> is I did take a very much like defeatist opinion at first so I thought of it as okay well this person has this opinion on me that I'm not very organized and you know I I don't know how to organize like no I don't know how to organize my time this is all assumptions that I took that they think they think basically because they never said this but the assumptions I took was okay well they 
They think I'm disorganized. I've wasted their time. They think all of this. Okay, well, let me prove them wrong. Yeah. They think that, which is fair because actually I have... You've given them ammunition. I've given I've given them reason to believe this. How can I prove them wrong? Rather than going, oh, well, they think this of me. So then, well, that's the easiest way yeah, out, isn't it? It's not fair. Why do they think that of that's me? That's the easiest way out because that does, that means that you have no growth. That means you you stay where you are. You okay? Or well, they think that of me. All right, whatever. Who cares? I am that. I am really disorganized. And then you just sit in that and you don't have to grow at all. Yeah, and growth is hard. hard. It's the hard option. It is the not hard the easy option. road. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, let's prove them wrong and let's, you know, okay, I need to just be more on it. I need to be, you know, make sure, really make sure, especially with this person, that I'm on it. And yeah. I and I did, and I I clawed my way out of that tunnel. Um, they're probably they probably sat there thinking, none of this, but this is my perspective of it. And uh yeah, and then I helped organize um a conference conference with them. They invited me to the pre-conference meal. Yeah, it just you know? shows how far you've come in your relationship. And and yeah, everything's back to normal. Yeah. Lovely. And I, I think- just don't commit to, I now have learned like don't commit to don't I'm not committing to stuff that I know that may be a, a like thing of like, oh, I don't know whether I'll be able to go or not. Yeah, you're not overpromising. Not overpromising. Because that's the thing, don't overpromise because you would under deliver, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, yeah, you you have definitely taken loads from my experience. And I think it's it's actually a good thing that it happened. I know it I'm, wasn't nice at the time. I'm glad it happened. But it is good well, that it happened. Actually, am I glad it happened? Yeah. Yeah, because you're yeah. better for it. Yeah. You are better for it. And do you know what, thinking again about what I said before about, you know, how and what you said as well, that we can take these experiences and apply them like to other situations and later in life. It's like thinking about, I know one of the big conflicts that people have in supervisor teams is like about their thesis and like getting different different supervisors want different things from it and they give you conflicting comments and it's really hard to satisfy them all i'm co-authoring now with colleagues you know on something that are not my supervisory team i've never worked with them before and i'm telling you it is hard all the things that we experience as phd students with our supervisors we experience with co-authors when we are researchers so Yeah, it's you practice. Can't, you can't do research alone. <laughs> no. It, well, you can, but well, you can, but gonna you, be won't, yeah, probably. you won't get anywhere, really. Yeah. So, you know, it is practice for what is to come. Unfortunately, yeah. that's just the way yeah. it is, you know? Yeah. And there's so many things like, you know, we've already mentioned the things that we can do to, to really help um, address these conflicts, but, you know, just to highlight them. So having empathy, taking that person's um, point of view, if you can, practicing open communication um, active listening active listening is a big one for sure yeah that's so so important staying calm yes not going in all riled up and yeah. you know, w- looking for a fight yeah for that's sure. it finding the common ground seeking solutions not blame we've yes. said that yeah using those I statements not the wees oh no sorry <laughs> not the use <laughs> not the wee wees <laughs> um focus on the issue not the person um, and apologize and forgive, you know? Yeah, which we, is like what, you know, how yeah. we started this this ramble with you saying your example of when you did, you held your hands up and said, you, well, you have to, yeah. I'm sorry, I fucked up, I you fucked know? up, I didn't go to it. I forgot about meeting. My my reasoning, yeah, valid. I was actually, I wasn't just getting my hair done. No. <laughs> I was in the labs. But also, is it valid? Because I, sh- I had a meeting, I should have attended, yeah. you know? So it's like having that balance. Exactly. And, and, and yeah resolving it yeah but again very minor issue if you have got bigger bigger issues please go to your yeah. please go seek some help don't or like, suffer in silence no and, and even just sounding it out with with uh, a friend that might not know the situation that you trust that will give your their honest opinion not the person who's gonna 
go, yeah, they should, yeah, they should. Get down there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Someone who's going to give their, like, actually, maybe, maybe you were, you know, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Someone who's not going to just give you a little mirror and sometimes that's nice but yeah. it's not always super helpful it's not always super helpful um yeah. get that sound board in definitely and you know find there's communities online for example our community you oh know God, yeah, message us messages on stupid genius we it's actually quite nice and we get quite a lot of messages of just like oh girls like i've had this experience what do you think or like people just message yeah. us don't they like oh i'm doing a conference tomorrow like wish me luck yeah, yeah, it's so it's nice so lovely like, we actually had someone who was um applying for a PhD role and they were uh, an opportunity and they were like they were like oh how how would you how would you go around this question and obviously it wasn't our department at all so we were like we tried (laughs) to answer it like this is what I would didn't they get the job I think so I feel like they did that was all on us wasn't it Oh, we had such a nice message as well from um, a student, an international student yeah. from Duke University all the way in. I Googled it. It's like, oh God, it's America. <laughs> sorry, place. I Googled it. I think North Carolina. No way. Maybe, I think. That's if you're cool. listening now, sorry if that's wrong. But uh, yeah, come over and speak to us on Instagram. It's supergenius underscore pod. We love to hear from you guys. It honestly makes our day. It literally makes our day. It's blowing my mind though. We've already, you know, we 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 really said we've got 5,000 listens. Yeah. We've already like got 6,000. We're growing. It's crazy. And stop, you know what? Stop it guys. Stop it. Don't you dare stop it. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why we're growing. Stop listening now. It's because of you guys, you know, and if you can, if you can share the podcast with even just one friend, you would not understand how much that helps us. So when this episode finishes, do it. Share do it, it. Do it. Yeah, Send it to your yeah, mate. We sound like we're wrapping up the episode, but we're not. We still got the we still got the inspiration. <laughs> I'm wrapping up the ramble. Let's get some Let's inspiration. Go. So we got a quick little quote for you today, some inspiration. Um, this quote is from <laughs> Phyllis Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> The lowest level of humor. Oh, but it's the best. It's the best. So Phyllis and then bottom. Bottom. Bottom, but with an E on the end. So maybe it's bottom. Is it a bit like, you know, Mrs. Bouquet and it's actually Mrs. Bucket? (laughs) Is it like she calls herself Phyllis Bottom, but it's actually bottom? Bottom. So anyway, Phyllis, who um, (laughs) is Mrs. Bottom, who (laughs) is or was, sorry, a British novelist and short story writer. So this is a quote from Phyllis. And she says, there are two ways of meeting difficulties. You alter the difficulties or you alter yourself meeting them. I like that. Yeah. How would you alter the difficulties? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think it means... I'll leave the situation. No, it's because you can't. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on, Dan. Tell us... (laughs) You, you know what, you listeners, you tell us what that means. What the fuck I does don't that mean? have the, I don't have the capacity to. Because I've got to write results right now. Like after this, I've got to write my results section. How the fuck am I supposed to? I've got to go do free seminars to the level four <laughs> students. Tomorrow I'm teaching SPSS. Oh, this fuck. has been stupid genius. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.